Law Enforcement Today radio show. I'm your host. My name's John J. Wiley. In addition to being a radio broadcaster, I'm a retired Baltimore police sergeant. In the Law Enforcement Today radio show, we are joined by special guests. We'll be talking about their experiences and issues affecting law enforcement officers, their families, and the community. We'll also be discussing issues in the news from the perspective of those in law enforcement. Check out our daily articles on our website, lawenforcementtoday.com. And while you're there, download our free app. Be sure to like and follow us on Facebook. Search for Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. He's an active law enforcement officer. He's also a trainer, an author, a speaker on police tactics. His grandfather was a law enforcement officer who was shot and murdered in a line of duty. He'll be talking about this, the realities of police work, and so much more on the Law Enforcement Today show. The Law Enforcement Today radio show is brought to you in part by the Help for Our Heroes program at Transformations Treatment Center. Call 888-991-9725 online at helpforourheroes.com. The Help for Our Heroes program at Transformations Treatment Center provides a comprehensive range of treatments for substance abuse, addiction, co-occurring mental health disorders, and PTSD. Plus, they offer complete treatment for mental health issues for those without substance abuse problems. Finally, our heroes have access to a world-class program for PTSD, anxiety, depression, and more. In addition to multiple rehabilitation and holistic treatments for all those that suffer from substance abuse problems, the Help for Our Heroes program at Transformations Treatment Center is a nationally acclaimed veterans and first responders treatment program where law enforcement, firefighters, veterans, and all first responders receive the separate and highly specialized treatment they need. Their program features first responders and veterans helping first responders and veterans. Got questions? They have the answers at the Help for Our Heroes program at Transformations Treatment Center. Call 888-991-9725. That's 888-991-9725. Online at helpforourheroes.com. Calling from California, we have an active law enforcement officer. He can't say which agency he works for. That's that's part of the rules of what happens. It's not a big deal. A lot of people like to make a big deal out of it. I don't. Scott Savage is our guest. Hey, Scott, thanks so much for joining us on the Law Enforcement Today Show. Jay, thanks for having me. And you've been in law enforcement how long now? This is my 20th year, and I feel every bit of it. Oh, it'll age it, doesn't it? Yeah, it's, I'm, I'm not a kid anymore. It's, it's getting harder every year, but it's still, I mean, what a great job, and it's, it's been a real blessing. But it, it, it does get harder year by year. Well, we're going to talk about Scott's law enforcement career. We're going to talk about the fact that he does training. He's also a speaker. And one of the really interesting tidbits of a story that he has to offer is his his grandfather was a law enforcement officer in Texas who was shot and killed in a line of duty. Before we get into the details of that conversation, Scott, tell us a little bit about the training you offer, where people get more information. Yeah, so my company's called Savage Training Group, so it's my last name, right? Savage Training Group. We're based out of California. You can find information on us at savagetraininggroup.com. But basically, what we try to do is kind of our tagline is law enforcement officers deserve deserve the best possible training. Uh, We help officers advance their careers, become experts, and save lives. That's our tagline. That's, That's our motto, and that's really the whole point of the company. Uh, we're trying to help cops, you know, get the uh, stuff they want to do in their career, FTO, SWAT, detective, all, all that stuff. 
become experts in it because I think you would agree nowadays uh, we've we've got to be experts. We've got to be doing everything, not only by the book, but almost, uh, gosh, perfectly. You too. And then the last part of that is is save lives because that's that's really my passion, both saving cops' lives, saving civilians' lives, and we've got some great classes and, and doing some good work. So, yeah, encourage everybody to go check that out. And your website is savagetraininggroup.com, correct? You got it. Interesting name. People would automatically imply, like for example, when you hear about warrior training and they think of uh, force, aggressiveness, Savage is your last name. So when you hear Savage training, think, oh man, these guys would be like, what did you like, kick in doors and take names. That's not what we're talking about, is it? No, it's not. And it's funny you mention that because um, when I started the company, obviously we had to come up with a name. And I got a bunch of smart people in the room and we're throwing out these different names and, and, you know, trying to come up with something clever and cutesy. And somebody, a buddy said, uh, yeah, I don't get why you're not using your last name. And it's catchy and all that stuff. But that was my concern. My concern was, okay, um, we're going to put my last name on advertising material and chiefs and senior command staff from, you know, especially conservative type agencies are going to see that and go, no way am I sending my guys to some, you know, kicking in the door, underwater oh, yeah. knife fighting stuff. It, it's not going to happen. But I really did it as a, I guess you would say a dedication, you know, to my uh, grandfather. I did it to stand by uh, what the training we're doing. I'm literally putting my name on it. And I think our our icon, if you kind of look at the website, our, our logo is two things. It's a uh, a lion. And in front of the lion is a knight chess piece, right? It's kind of superimposed over it. That lion is really rep- representing that uh, bold decision-making, the courage, maybe a, l- a little bit of that characteristic savage part. And then this knight, uh, this chess piece, is really representing the strategy, the thinking, the calculating uh, kind of part of tactics and, and being a police officer now. Two things come to mind when you mention that. Your logo at savagetraininggroup.com. Uh, the lion is featured prominently at the Law Enforcement Officers Memorial in Washington, D.C. Uh, and I, I never quite knew. I, I'm retired police. I retired a long time ago. And we didn't use terms like Leo uh, for law enforcement officer. It, it was police. It was cop. And, and that's the terms we used. And we used them with affection. So the lion is very closely associated with law enforcement. And the night, the first thing I thought of was a retired police who turned author from a California name Joseph Wamba, uh, the Blue Knights, and the, the New Centurions, and those kinds of books that I read as a teenager. And they had a very positive impact on guys like me when we were talking about law enforcement officers. Yeah, that's it. And I, I, it's funny now, you know, having a company, you're kind of getting a little bit older as a, as a law enforcement officer and trying to do some of those same things, right? Inspire young guys. I find myself every day saying, we got to teach the young guys this. We got to teach the young guys that. So I, I know I've become the old guy. I get it. Um, but it's just so true. And I think you, what you just said, you were maybe inspired, you know, by what you, you read there. And that's some of the stuff we're trying to do with, with our training courses is not just, Oh gosh, you know, put put forth some kind of um, dry PowerPoint presentation, you know, clicking through that kind of class. Nobody wants to see that. We're really trying to use expert instructors and and inspire, you know, both senior cops and especially the young folks, right? Teaching them 
you know, kind of the ways of, of old, but with modern tactics. And there's a lot to be learned from the old time police. I'm an old wheel gun cop. I'm an old revolver cop when I started. And a lot of things, we, we had less technology back then, but a lot of policing hasn't changed. What has changed is politics, uh, social media, uh, new, less than lethal weaponry and, and tactics that go along with that. But the essence of talking with people and investigating and doing those things really remains the same. You're absolutely right. I know we're going to talk about my grandfather a little bit. And I do want to you know, tell that story. but Go right ahead. Now's a good time. Well, one thing you're going to find interesting is um, when what we found in his pockets. What we found in, in my grandfather's pockets as a police officer is not unlike what are, what's in my pockets tonight when I go to work, which was what was in your pockets when you went to work. So, yeah, my grandfather, his, his name is uh, Lemuel Dodd Savage. Lemuel Dodd Savage. And if you Google that, unfortunately, it only comes back with one return, and that's from the Officer Down Memorial page, which is memorializing police officers and sheriffs that have been killed in the line of duty. He was a cop in Amarillo, Texas. He was a detective, as a matter of fact. Um, if you look at some of the photos that are there, you, you know, you'll see he's got that old Stetson hat, right? He's, he's that old school detective. And uh, what happened is it was, the year was 1945. Now, this is you know well before my time. I certainly didn't meet the man, but what a lasting impact he's made. He was heading to work down to Amarillo PD. My dad, who was uh, 10 years old at the time, I later heard this story. I guess he was playing catch on the front lawn with his buddy. And as my grandfather's walking away, he says to my dad, I'll be back to play with you, you know, after work. Unfortunately, that never occurred. My granddad went to, uh, according to a newspaper article, a diner where he saw a couple of burglary suspects that they were looking for. And uh, this is the day, you know, days they didn't have portable radios. I'm sure they didn't have the ability to call for cover cars and all that kind of stuff. So he went and arrested both of them and he searched them and he put them in his car. And of course, this is before the days of where we have shields in the car and all these protective mechanisms to keep the coppers safe. And as he's driving them back, driving these two crooks back to the station, um, one of them pulls out a gun that my grandfather had missed, right? He made a mistake. And that crook, uh, shot my grandfather several times from close range and then threw his body out on the steps of the National Guard uh, armory in Amarillo. And God bless, you know, the National Guards when they came out and tried to render aid to him. The two crooks took off in my grandfather's car and they went and just uh, on a crime spree, kidnapped some people, uh, went on a multi-state crime spree and they were later picked up in New Mexico. Uh, their names aren't worth learning. Absolutely. I'm glad you said that I, I have a policy. I will never, ever give the name of someone who murder, terrorism, it uh, doesn't matter who they are because I don't believe in giving them any publicity at all. We're going to take a short break. We are talking with Scott Savage, active law enforcement officer. We're continuing the story about his grandfather being killed in the line of duty and so much more. This is Law Enforcement Today's show. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Finally, our heroes have access to a world-class program for PTSD, anxiety, depression, and more. 
The Help for Our Heroes program at Transformations Treatment Center provides a comprehensive range of treatments for substance abuse, addiction, co-occurring mental health disorders, and PTSD. Plus, they offer complete treatment for mental health issues for those without substance abuse problems. In addition to multiple rehabilitation and holistic treatments for all those suffering from substance abuse problems, the Help for Our Heroes program at Transformation Treatment Center is a nationally acclaimed veterans and first responders treatment program where law enforcement, firefighters, veterans, and all first responders receive the separate and highly specialized treatment they need. Got questions? They have the answers at the Help for Our Heroes program at Transformations Treatment Center. Call 888-991-9725. 888-991-9725. That's 888-991-9725. Online at helpforourheroes.com. How did I transition from police work to a career in radio? Plus, host of the syndicated Law Enforcement Today radio talk show and podcast. I attended the Connecticut Schools of Broadcasting, where I learned by doing. At the Connecticut Schools of Broadcasting, students learn in months, not years. For veterans, some or all your tuition could be covered by your VA benefits. Connecticut Schools of Broadcasting, training in audio, video production, television, sports, podcasting, radio, and web development. Get more information, call 800-887-2346 or online at gocsb.com. For special offers and consideration, tell them you heard about them from Law Enforcement Today. When you have a chance, be sure to go to our website, lawenforcementtoday.com and download our free mobile app. We have a version for your Android and iPhone devices. It's 100% free. Get it at lawenforcementtoday.com. Back to our conversation with Scott Savage, uh, active law enforcement officer from California. Before we the break, Scott, you're talking about your grandfather, police officer uh, Savage, 1945, I believe you said, Amarillo, Texas, and he was shot and killed on line of duty. 1945 was so long ago, and you're absolutely right. The only places I found that never forget these people, these men, these women, is the ODMP.org, Officer Down Memorial page. Yeah, you got it. I'm flipping through it right now as we talk, and, and there's people from all over the country and probably the world that have left, um, you know, nice little sayings. And so if, if you're hearing this and you're thinking about, man, should I ever, like, write a little saying or something like that on that page? You should, because uh, we read it. The families, members of, of people that have been killed read it, and we, we just, it's a very warm feeling you get knowing that somebody took, you know, two seconds out of their day to say, rest in peace, hero, um, you know, we love you, and all that kind of stuff. Your grandfather was, was shot and killed by you know, two bad guys, and one of the things you said was he, he made a mistake, he missed a gun. And that's something we all really, anybody in law enforcement, really, and it's happened to all of us. We miss a knife, you miss a gun. It, it can happen so easily, but they had far less protection back then than they do now. And that old saying is complacency kills in police work. And, and you can be as on the ball, as sharp as anybody, and still make a mistake. And that mistake, the simple little mistake, can cost you your life. Right. It's a simple mistake, and it just has, has those far-reaching consequences. And, and, you know, I'm just thinking back last night I was on duty, and the uh, young officer gets in a foot pursuit with a guy who ran away from, catches him. You know, these young guys are in shape, and they, they outran him. No big deal. They get him. And I was watching this young officer, you know, the action just stopped. They just got the handcuffs on him, and the officer's going to search him. 
and he's patting him down quick, 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 you know, real, you know, rush, 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 going through his pockets, you know, sticking his hands blindly in this, this Can't in do his that. pockets. Oh, and I just said, hey. You get stuck with a dirty needle, and it could be, you know, a life life sentence of, of serious health complications. Oh, you got it. And I just told the young guy, hey, stop for a second. Let's search it carefully for those needles, man. Just, you know, pat gently from the outside. There's no rush, man. It, it's over. The dude's in handcuffs. And back to what you were saying, it's just we can make one little simple error, and it can just have these far-reaching consequences even so much that my grandfather was killed in 1945 and and here we are talking about it today and i you know i started this training company trying to give back the cops and help them with some good training and, and to keep them from ever making these kind of, of mistakes so it's just uh, so important it is especially and, and you talked about your your dad a 10 year old was playing baseball or playing catch in the front yard when you, when his grand when his dad your grandfather went to work said I'll be back later on and he never made it back because a loser a loser with absolutely nothing to gain took his life and i'm sure that had dramatic impact on your dad and the entire family it did i don't think he ever recovered from that my dad was a very uh, very unemotionally at least outwardly man and I, I just don't think he recovered from that. And, and this event wasn't really something we talked about in my household. As a matter of fact, the two longest conversations I ever had about him, one was when my dad was um, was kind of on his deathbed, you know, and going to pass away from cancer. And we got to talking about his dad a little bit. But earlier than that, when I decided I wanted to become a policeman, I think it was 90, I became a cop in 99, so around 1998. I sat my dad down and I had to ask him, uh, is this going to be okay? You know, how do you feel about this? Your son wants to become a cop and, and, you know, your dad was killed. And my dad, you know, very typical, not real emotional answer. Oh, you know, I think that's great. If that's what you want to do, you know, kind of a (laughs) blase answer. But I just can't help but think. Oh, man, that must have been tough. It's funny, and we'll get right back to that in a second, but you brought up memories of my dad. He passed from cancer. It's almost like 30 years ago now. But he was from that era, and they were different guys than we were. He told me once before he died, I said, Dad, you've had this, this death sentence of cancer, and we knew about it. I never heard you complain. He goes, you never heard me complain, but that doesn't mean I didn't. I had people I talked to. I just didn't let you people see it. I had this image in my mind of the John Wayne kind of guy. That's what the way these guys were. They never had emotion. The truth is they did. They just, they had ways of handling it that not everybody knew. I think you're right. And my dad, you know, to look at him was definitely not the outward appearance of the, you know, the tough guy. And he didn't, he didn't drink. He didn't cuss. He didn't smoke. You know, he was not that kind of guy. But you want to talk about toughness. I mean, these guys just nothing could kill them, you know, and they were just emotionally tough and physically uh, from a constitution type of standpoint, tough and a different generation. You know, I once asked my dad, what's your favorite song? I was a little kid. Hey dad, what's your favorite song? He told me the star spangled banner. (laughs) (laughs) I think I would have liked this guy. I mean, what's not to like about that? Yeah. You would have loved him. And, uh, yeah, he's, he was a great man and certainly learned a lot. And, and um, those lessons, you know, both from my dad and, and my mom and, and 
from my grandfather have really carried me forward being a police officer now, uh, going into this my 20th year of doing this. And my hat is off to any young person or an old person that wants to get into it now. Yeah. that wants to sign up to become a cop now because I don't know about you, but... Would you recommend becoming a police officer to a loved one of yours? I actually have a daughter who took the test for the Buffalo, New York Police Department, and we had that conversation. And I want—I told her first, part of me wants to tell you no, but the truth is, my dad couldn't have talked me out of it. it. It was something I really wanted to do, and if it's what you really want to do, I want you to go for it, but I, I want you to train, I want you to be smart, and I want you to be aware. You know what big piece of advice I gave her was something someone gave me that I wish I had known about back in the day when I was a young police. You have a dentist you go see once a year. You have a general practitioner, a physician you go see once a year for physical. That that anybody getting into law enforcement or first responder work, firefighters now, should have in their wallet the name and number of a, a therapist, a psychologist, someone they're going to go see once a year that is well-versed in trauma that they're going to talk with and be proactive about it. And when I had that conversation with her, I was like, okay, to be honest with you, it's in God's hands, and if you get the job, you'll train well, and you'll be around really well-trained people as well. Well, what great advice, you know, and, and I hope I hope all of the young people that are getting into it would, would uh, take that advice. I couldn't agree more. Before I was a police officer, I was a paramedic. Before that, I was an EMT. So uh, since age 19, this is all the kind of stuff I've been doing, and, you know, has it caused scars? Has it caused, you know, its share of trauma? Absolutely. Sure. I don't think you could really do this job, you know, for any length of time without experiencing those things. So important to talk about it. It was, you know, when I first started, that was not a popular thing. You know, this, you know, saying I had PTSD would have been like the kiss of death. You know, and now I think progressive departments are starting to embrace that and saying, hey, you can come out and say you need help. You can come out and say you're struggling with something, and that doesn't mean we're going to take your, your gun and badge. We want to get you the help you need, just like any other injury you would have suffered. Because if, and that's, if I went that's really what it is, Scott. It's it's a an injury of the brain. I hate the term disorder, and I think that contributes to the, the negative stigma that, that goes along with so many people. But you're, you're absolutely right. There are so many men. I met so many men and women that it's not a career ender for them. As a matter of fact, they got the help they needed. They continued on, and they're still in law enforcement today. And, and they found the tools where... It doesn't manage their life. They manage it. Uh, that's what it's really all about. We're talking with Scott Savage, an active law enforcement officer and also a speaker, author, and trainer. This is Law Enforcement Today's show. We're going to take a short break. We'll be right back. This portion of the Law Enforcement Today radio show is brought to you in part by Pet Rescue Life Facebook page. Everyone's welcome at the Pet Rescue Life Facebook page, where you'll find fun, informative, and enjoyable posts daily. Purebred, mixed breeds, rescues, we love them all. Be sure to like the Pet Rescue Life Facebook page. If you've missed past episodes of the Law Enforcement Today show, never fear. You can listen to them online. Just go to our website, lawenforcementtoday.com, or download our free app, also available on our website. That's lawenforcementtoday.com. Back to the Law Enforcement Today show, our guest calling us from the state of California. Uh, that's what I say, he's active law enforcement officer. That's why we're not going to say what agency works for. His name is Scott Savage, which, by the way, that's a great name for a law enforcement officer. 
when you work the streets for a long period of time, people get to know you. People in your post, and that means the good people and the bad people, and and most of the bad guys, the criminals, they weren't horrible. They weren't violent. They weren't mean. They weren't the ones that take your life. It's the very small percentage. No, that's true. And if you think about, you know, typically once we have a suspect talk to us, let's say we're interviewing them, and they give us a statement, they tell us why they did it, when they did it, all that kind of stuff. If you ask them at the end of a successful interview, why did you choose to talk to the police? It inevitably they always say because you treated me with respect. Right. And that was the so first cliche. thing we learned. And you know, who taught me Scott was a lot of old Vietnam veteran combat veterans, and we also had a few. Korean War veterans that were commanders, and the first thing they taught us about police work, I mean, they drilled it in our heads from day one, was you treat everyone with respect until they change the tone of the conversation. Exactly. And then you, and when that, you do, you, you can't back down, because you, you, there's nowhere for you to retreat to, so p- treating people with respect and having respectful conversation, especially in their home, or especially in front of uh, the, the people in the community the, on a street corner, you had to be very careful how you talk to people uh, because that could escalate a lot of situations where you didn't have to have use of force that ends up being a use of force scenario. Yeah, and I don't like nowadays when you hear cops, a lot of in law enforcement training circles, they would say the same thing you said, but they'll end it with, well, because we've got these body cams now. We've got these cameras now. That has nothing to do with it. It never did. I mean, that body camera would have saved me for about 98% of my complaints, or or maybe 99.5, because I was not a choir boy, I was not an angel, and I had bad moments. Uh, but that means well, I said something I shouldn't have said. It, it was never criminal behavior, nothing like that. But it was because that's how you were taught to do the job. Yeah, and I used to work for a chief, and he said it, he said it really, uh, just real eloquently. He said, listen, when you're on the field, just everything you do, just be sure that you would be comfortable with me seeing it and your mother seeing it. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> that's pretty good. In other words, don't do anything that, that you wouldn't mind the chief seeing. And the chief's a cop, too. It's not like, oh, gosh, you, you know, he said a bad word once and the chief's going to lose his mind. No, the chief was a cop. But he said, listen, just make sure you're good with me seeing it and your mom seeing it. And I thought, man, if you just kind of carried around your life like that, and sometimes people wonder, like, well, yeah, why are cops having to you know, worry about these ethical things? What's going wrong? It's because you're in a position that you are constantly... Um, tempted, and if not tempted, maybe that's the wrong word, presented with opportunities to do stupid stuff. You're in and around people's property. You're in and around people's homes. You're dealing with people that are violent and really uh, treat you like dirt sometimes, and it's tempting to want to you know, reach out and strangle them or, or scream and yell at them. So we're constantly presented with opportunities to be disrespectful to people, but and if you just kind of carry around like, hey, if the chief was seeing this uh, or my mom was seeing this, you'd probably be okay. And that's, I think, part of the reason why so many people don't understand, for lack of better words, the stoicism. Uh, and, and I've been accused of being rather standoffish. Uh, they say, hey, you still look and act like a cop uh, because you're not the most friendly person in the world till I get to know you. People, I hear this completely all the time. I got stopped for speeding or whatever, and the cop wasn't friendly enough till later on and i think that's part of what people don't get is that they you have to develop a long fuse and you have to set up like a, a, a wall an emotional barrier between and you and the other person till you figure out who you're dealing with 
That's true. And I would even add to that that um, when you're looking at a cop and you're like, man, this guy's kind of a jerk or he's not really smiling, you also have to think that this cop is multitasking all day long. They're constantly in this state of watching people's hands, looking at the door, and listening to the radio. So they're always a little bit distracted. And I know it comes across that the cop's not smiling and totally engaged with what you're saying sometimes, but it's it's really because we are asking more and more of, of police officers every single year. You know, we want them trained in this. We want them experts in that. You know, terrorism response, uh, bias-based policing training, um, tactical first aid I mean, the, you just name it, we are asking so much of police officers, so it's tough for them to focus sometimes and be present in the moment, and that can come across as being stoic. That can come across as being eh, not the friendliest person in the world, but there is a, a kind of a, a reason for these things. There is, and, and quite honestly, people love to refer, and I, there's certain language I can't use on the radio, but they'll, they'll say, oh, that cop was a blank, because... He didn't smile, he wasn't happy, he wasn't friendly, and he just gave me, and he didn't have a lot of conversation, he just gave me a ticket. And I'm thinking, my first response is, what did you expect him to be? The ice cream man, friendly guy, hey, what can I do for you? That's not the way this works in real life. It's not, and you know, when people tell me, I had someone tell me the other day, you know, there's a lot, you know, you, you told me, uh, I stopped the guy and he says, you're cool. Um, a lot of cops are jerks, but you know, you're cool. And, you know, I said, I kind of agree with you. And he was he was so surprised. So, yeah, I mean, if you if you think I'm going to sit here and tell you that every cop is the nicest guy in the world. No. No. Cops are a cross-section of humanity, man. Absolutely. There, there's jerks everywhere. Think of wherever you work, there's probably some jerks. Well, guess what? They're at RPV, too. They're at the sheriff's department, too. You know, they're not always the greatest guys in the world. And, and that's too bad. You know, wish we had just the perfect cop in every department. But... Police officers are a cross-section of humanity. And, oh, by the way, we have bad days. There's some days when you're just in a bad mood. Something happened at home. You know, yeah. you're, not, you're not at your best. So it's, it's a funky profession because ours is the only one I know of where you can have a singular interaction with somebody. You got stopped by a cop, and that guy was a jerk. And you will now paint everyone in that profession, however many cops there are around the U.S., with the same broad brush. But they don't do that with... Lawyers, they don't do that with doctors, they don't do that with nurses, they don't do that with firefighters, they don't do that with teachers. No, no, you just go on Yelp and you talk about them, you know, and you, and then you go get a new one of whatever contractor you needed to come to the house. And, and you're a cop in California, and I know this has happened to you because it happened to me. Some guys do some really outlandish stuff, let's say in Los Angeles. Uh, I'm not going to go into real incidents, but there's ones we've all heard about. And then people in Baltimore will verbally attack me as if I'm somehow responsible for what some cat in California did that was totally off the wall. And I'm sure you get that too. Something happens in Philadelphia, all of a sudden the cops in Northern California are bad guys too. Oh, you nailed it. And I I tell people, I go, hey man, um, I'm not here to defend everything every cop's ever done. I see the same videos you do. I see the same stupid stuff you do. Now, I the only thing, the only difference between me and the guy in the street is I can understand the nuances behind why people did what they did. I look at those videos and say, that's a lack of supervision. That's a lack of training. That's an immature police officer who's been uh, incentivized to do certain things, and that's why they're doing that. I can understand some of the, the uh, cause behind it, but, I, you know, what happens if I, I watch some videos sometimes of cops just doing the dumbest stuff you've ever seen. 
And I think to myself, are we even doing the same job? Because that would never fly, you know, here at, at this department, or that would never fly up here. But it all comes back to um, training. Absolutely. You know, you know, your agency where you work, I, you know, I'd love to know how long the training is now for new police officers there, because I bet it is incredibly long. Uh, that's a great question, and I, I will promise you I'll research it. I remember the academy for us was about five months and then every year we went through one week in service training, which also included a day at the range for qualifying. From what I understand, I think the the academy is six to seven months long now, somewhere in that area. Uh, the yearly in service training, and it, it it's it's so intense. I have a nephew who's starting a police academy, or just started a police academy in Northern Virginia. Uh, he's a Marine Corps veteran. He's a sharp guy. Uh, he's going to be a great cop. He's a great individual. And I said, be prepared because the amount of studying you're going to do, it, you're going to be up every night, and it's not going to end until your career is over. We're talking with Scott Savage. This is the Law Enforcement Today Show. We'll be right back. So many people ask me, how did I transition from police work to a career in radio? What did I do to become a music radio DJ? Plus, host of the syndicated Law Enforcement Today radio talk show and podcast. The answer is simple. I attended the Connecticut Schools of Broadcasting, where I learned by doing. At Connecticut Schools of Broadcasting's 11 East Coast campuses, students have learned by doing for 55 years. Radio, television, podcasting, and now coding for web development. At the Connecticut Schools of Broadcasting, students learn in months, not years. Day and evening classes are available. Connecticut Schools of Broadcasting is perfect for those graduating from high school, adults looking for new career training, first responders, and veterans too. For veterans, some or all your tuition could be covered by your VA benefits. Connecticut Schools of Broadcasting has locations in Connecticut, Florida, Georgia, Massachusetts, New Jersey, New York, and North Carolina. Connecticut Schools of Broadcasting, training in audio, video production, television, sports, podcasting, radio, and web development. What are you waiting for? Get more information. Call 800-887-2346 or online at gocsb.com. For special offers and consideration, tell them you heard about them from Law Enforcement Today. That's 800-887-2346 and online at gocsb.com. Again, 800-887-2346 and online at gocsb.com. Be sure to go to our website, lawenforcementtoday.com, and download our free mobile app. We have a version for your Android and iPhone devices. It's 100% free. Get it at lawenforcementtoday.com. And we are joined by a special guest calling us from California, a big state, by the way. I believe somewhere in Northern California. That's all I can say because he's an active law enforcement officer. His name is Scott Savage. Scott, thanks for being a guest on the show. Very much appreciated. No, thank you for having me. You brought up a good point before we went to break. That I'm not a big fan of watching body cam videos or dash cam videos. We didn't have them back when I was on the job. And the main reason I don't is because I wind up seeing that the nuances that you mentioned, and I don't want to get into arguments where I defend indefensible behavior because some behavior is horrible. But there are instances where I go, I, I would lose my cool. As a matter of fact, watching these videos, I wind up getting the adrenaline going, and it's if I was right back in the street in a battle myself. And 
I can see how easily they can say something that they shouldn't say. I can see how easily they can go from a foot pursuit to apprehending the guy to being a little rougher than they should. And people who are civilians who don't understand the, the nuances of it see it as absolute horror show from the very beginning. Yeah, and there's that term now that's called lawful but awful. I don't know if you've heard that, but it, it basically describes not. something where the arrest is good, it's within policy, you know, everything is, is good to go, but it looks horrible. And and the problem there is that, yeah, for the first time, you know, in these well last 10 years or 15 years of, of cameras, for the first time, the untrained public is being shown exactly what it looks like when we use force on somebody and it, it, of course, it looks awful. It is awful. We're, it's horrifying. You know, we're it's horrible. A, it, we're hitting a guy with sticks. We're, we're hitting him with a taser. We're punching. It is it's not pretty to watch, and, and no one ever pretended it was. But without the understanding of the context, the nuance, the officer safety training, understand what could have happened if we didn't do X, it, when you look at it, you're like, you know, dear God, this is bad. And that's the reality of what it's been like for back in your grandfather's time. He, he had two guys in back of his patrol car and, and they had a gun that he missed and he shot and killed them. And that's what can happen in, in a moment where you just you make a, a mistake doing your job. One of the things that, that people don't seem to understand, and this is something I was taught very early on by the old timers, uh, is that if you have to use force, it's always going to look bad. Everybody who sees it is going to think it is horrifying and it's horrible. If you have to use force, you do it as quickly and as ferociously as you can and get it over with. You cuff them and it's done. You don't pity pat, you don't wrestle, and you, you, don't, uh, you don't do the stand-up John Wayne fist-fighting thing because that's not what it's all about. That's right. and I, you know The big word nowadays is, is uh, de-escalation. And unfortunately, it's it's being advertised as some new thing. But of course, you were doing it on you know when you were working. I've been doing it for years. It's yeah. every cop has. But it's you know, it's the new buzzword. Be that as it may, the magic in the training is not um, knowing about de-escalation or even the opposite, knowing how to use force. Really, the the magic is is training law enforcement officers to know when to use because. De-escalation is a viable tactic, just like overwhelming forces, right? Kind of be the opposite of de-escalation. The magic is is teaching law enforcement officers when to use certain things, right? And uh, when I teach young cops about using force or de-escalation or any of that, I kind of use the analogy of think of like a, a snake. You know, if you ever watch these videos on YouTube of a maybe a snake eating like a little mouse, you know, it gets fed to them. The snake sits and waits. The snake has a lot of tremendous power, kinetic energy that's all kind of bundled up, right? Snake watches the mouse and only at the right, perfect time strikes, but he strikes with, uh, you know, precision. He strikes with power. He bites him once and the mouse is gone, right? But he doesn't keep biting him. No. He doesn't just keep unnecessarily biting him. And, and like you said, he didn't pity Pat, man. He bit him good and it's over. And it's done, and now the mouse is, is ready to be eaten. Well, in, in our world, when we need to use force on somebody, somebody has um, not allowed us to de-escalate. They're not going to participate in any kind of de-escalation, and we've got to use force. We want to be strategic. We want to be powerful. We want it to be definitive, and then be done. Yeah. And Be quick, be decisive, and be over. That's it. And, and the hard thing, I think, to train uh, police officers in is controlling that um, aggression, right? Fighting calmly, fighting with a goal in mind. And it's, 
this isn't a street fight. This isn't a bar fight. This is a very, very different thing. We're using force to achieve a, a very, very specific goal, getting the guy's hands behind his back, putting him in handcuffs. Which, by the way, is it easy to handcuff someone who does not want to be handcuffed? No. It's, it's brutal. It's hard. And I always say, hey, if you ever think it's easy to handcuff someone, let me put my little petite wife in a, in a wrestling match with you and just try to get her hands behind her back if she doesn't want that. It's going to be tough. It is, it's almost impossible for one or two officers to handcuff someone who does not want to be handcuffed who's resisting. And they don't have to be with violence. They just be flailing around. Yeah, and, and sometimes they're sweaty, and sometimes you know you're slipping, sliding around, and you got to watch your back. And oh, by the way, one of your hands has the, the dang handcuffs in it. So imagine doing it one-handed. Yeah, it's complicated. That's why you see five and six and seven cops jumping in because it's really hard. Now, if you just want to go the opposite way and you just want to kick somebody in the head or you know bash their face in to try to get them in handcuffs, I guess you could do that. But that's not what, as police officers, we try to do. That's why you see so many of us. That's why you see us all grabbing an arm and grabbing a leg. We're not trying to hurt the guy. We're just trying to get his hands behind his back. And it, but it still looks do. horrible. That's the thing. It still looks like, oh, my God, they're beating him. Oh, my goodness. This is, and that's always what you hear with a cell phone video in the background is people screaming, oh, my God, look what they're doing to Joey. Yeah, it is. And, and I think if, um, if you're going to you know, comment on what law enforcement does, I mean, you're free to comment as much as you want. People don't like it. That's fine. What I would encourage someone to do is try to understand the nuances. Not to say that there haven't been, you know, officers that have gone way too far and they're just beating on somebody unnecessarily. Absolutely, that existed. Those officers need to be dealt with. But when you're just watching sort of the average guy getting taken into custody, you've got to understand those nuances. got to understand the, the, what the officers are up against. And it's not a street fight. It's not a one-on-one no. thing where there's no rules. There's a lot of rules. And fighting with a lot of rules is a, man, it's really hard. It's and really the first rule we always had is that I will go home alive, and I'd rather be tried by 12 than carried by 6. Yeah, and it's and it, it's what, it's getting tougher every year, so I'm just thinking about you know your family. I think you said it was your, was your daughter that's going to become a, yeah. an officer. Yeah. You know, I'm thinking about what will the job look like, because she's going to do 30 years. Yeah. What will the job look like, you know, 10, 20, 30 years from now? You know, what, <laughs> will she have a, a, a lawyer that they call into the station, maybe, you know, like, get, get me legal on the radio. Let me run this thing by them. And that we're thinking about doing and get their buy off. Will she have a, uh, a contract or a whole harmless agreement that she's got to walk around with and get some signatures from the family before we go into the house to deal with crazy Joey in the basement? Or, or the worst other scenario is there were, there were men I worked with, men and women, that they practice a philosophy of, it's not my family. I'll get there when I get there. And I'll get there when the bodies hit the ground because I, I'm not going to inflict this kind of damage on my family. And that sounds harsh to hear that, too. I know you as a law enforcement officer doesn't, don't want to hear that. I didn't want to hear it, but I can understand it. Yeah, it's called the, the de-policing, right? When, you've, when you convince police officers that it's the juice isn't worth the squeeze, that the risk outweighs the benefit, you can actually talk them out of action because if you think about it, why do cops do anything? You know, why don't cops just go into more of a reactionary, like you said, just get there to pick up the pieces? The only reason cops do this stuff is from a moral sense right. of them really wanting to jump in and, and help people and fight other people's battles. But if we take away that moral inspiration to do that, we can find ourselves in this depoliced, reactionary kind of thing. And that's something we need to be very careful with because 
here in California, we have real specific rules about when there is a legal duty to take action or not. And I can tell you from studying these things, um, and this is a point we make in our um, patrol tactics training, is you have a, a very, very limited duty to anyone. The law is, is very much on your side that there's no law that says you've got to jump into the fight. You've got to save this person from getting, you know, beat up or something like that. And what it really Ooh. boils down to is your oath. And uh, that, that part, it, it's an individual thing. We're quickly running out of time. Scott, before we leave, uh, let's get people your website information, where the information about the training and speaking you do. Yeah, go to savagetraininggroup.com. Um, check out the courses we have there. Kind of our flagship course is called Response Tactics for Critical Incidents and In-Progress Crimes. And that is a one-day how to respond to hot calls safely, calmly, and methodically. Um, and then if you'd like to have me come speak at, you know, somewhere, you can get a hold of me on the, uh, the contact area there. But uh, my bread and butter is talking about um, keeping people safe, is talking about tactics, is talking about being a cop like we've, we've done today. So I really appreciate you giving me the opportunity. Thanks so much for being a guest on the Law Enforcement Today Show. This is Scott Savage. His website is savagetraininggroup.com. Again, thanks so much for your service and thanks for being on the show. Thank you, sir. I'd like to thank our guests so much for coming on the Law Enforcement Today Show. We've got another great guest heading your way next week. Don't miss it. Until then, this is John J. Wiley. See ya. See ya.